If you would please join me in your Bible to the book of Mark, chapter number three this morning. And uh, I want to speak with you for just a little while around the, the subject of criticism. Someone has said it's a lot easier to be critical than to be correct. And there's one good thing about it. It don't cost much to be critical. Uh, you don't have to get involved in anything to be critical. And uh, I, criticism is nothing new. And I want to talk to you this morning about uh, criticizing the Christ. And in our context, you'll see what I mean in just a moment. If you've been with us through the study of the book of Mark, you'll know that uh, the, the true character of the book of Mark is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Mark is presenting our Lord as God's perfect servant. You got that? God's perfect servant. And I, we've entitled these series uh, to be more like Jesus. I think maybe if we was all more like Jesus, it'd be a lot better off, don't you think? Let's you and I begin reading in verse number 20, if you would please. And uh, we'll try to develop a, a text, uh, and a, a message, if you would please. Verse number 20, and the multitude cometh together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. The one thing you don't want to do is let people interfere with your eating. Amen. Now, you just cannot allow folk to mess with your food. You know, don't get too busy to eat. Notice the word, the multitude. Now, please, we, we must notice this. If you notice back in verse number seven, would you look at that? And Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him. Verse eight, the Bible talks about a great multitude. Verse 10, for he had, he had healed many insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him and as many as had plagues. A great multitude. Jesus' fame is spreading wide and abroad. He's healed the leopards. He's healed the one who was paralyzed from his waist down. He's healed multitudes. He saved folk. And he even healed Peter's mother-in-law. And that just tells me that if Peter was the first pope, when did they quit marrying? I just pitch that out there for you to chew on for a while. So a great multitude is following Jesus. His fame is wide all over the country. Everybody's heard about his miracles and they've come to witness his preaching and his power. Notice now, if you would, verse 21. And when his friends heard of it, of the great multitude, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said he is beside himself. I've got some friends like that. 
Yeah, I had a lot of friends always saying, you know, that preacher's crazy as a bed bug. Beside himself. Jesus' friends accused him of being crazy because he was so involved in what the Father had sent him to do. He was so involved in the ministry. He was so caring about other people and was willing to give him himself. And his friends started to criticize him and said, man, he's out of it. We need to get him out of there. We need to get him in rehab where he can think about some things and get some things straightened out and maybe give him a Valium or two, an upper or downer or in and outer. Or just he, he, he's beside himself. You know, it's easy to look at somebody and come to a conclusion. Well, now, notice the next verse. And the scribes, oh, the, the religious bunch, the professional bunch, the uh, educated bunch, the political correct bunch, the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, they didn't say he's crazy, they just said he's full of the devil. He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casteth out devils. And he called them unto him, and he said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, the house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself, be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. Verily, I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men and blasphemies wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness but is in danger of eternal damnation because they said he hath an unclean spirit. Then came his brethren and his mother. Well, his friends and the scribes and now come mama and the half brothers and sisters. And standing without sent unto him calling him and the multitude said about him, And they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked around about on them that sat with him, about him, and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. Father, today we thank you that the Lord Jesus has allowed us to peek in upon his ministry, upon his life, upon his emotions. And Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to just just see that we are not the first ones to be criticized and misunderstood and misrepresented. And so, Lord, I pray today we can see that the servant 
of the Most High God, the perfect servant, the Lord Jesus, was criticized just like we were. And I pray today we'd get a lesson out of this text. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Could I please remind you of a verse of scripture that we all quote? And I dare say that probably most of us today has quoted this verse. Now let me read it for you, would you please? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Have you ever heard that verse? To them who are the called according to his purpose. What if I told you today that God is working on you, with you, through you, where you are today? You might say, well, preacher, I'd rather be somewhere else. You're not. You're right where God wants you. For God to accomplish something that's more important than going to work tomorrow morning. The Bible says, and we know, how many of you folk believe God today? Come on, say amen. Now, if you don't, if you don't, it's not going to work on you, see? And we know that all things work together for good. That went over like a pregnant pole vaulter, didn't it? Now, don't call me and tell me I'm preaching to you. Because I am. And if you don't like me preaching to you, don't come. Because that's what God's called me to do is preach to you. Now you got that. And what we need to do is to realize and understand and to know that all things work together for our good. If we love God. And it says to them who are the called according to his purpose. God has a purpose for everybody here. God has not given me, the preacher, a corner on God's purpose. God has a purpose for you. It is a glorious purpose. It is an eternal purpose. It is a good purpose. It is a fulfilling purpose. It is God's purpose for putting you here. God didn't put you here because there was just room for you. God didn't put you here to just to suck up his oxygen and blow it in somebody else's face. God has a purpose for you. How many believe that? Well, I wonder why we never read the next verse. 
How's God going to accomplish his purpose for me, with me, through me, and in me? How is God going to do that? And what is God's purpose for me being here? Verse 29 of the book of Romans chapter 8. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. God has a tremendous plan for you and I. And that is that we to be more like Jesus every day. And whatever comes our way, God is allowing that to knock the rust edges off of us, to give us patience, to build our faith, To realize that this plan of God is much bigger than us and we ourselves. And we need to remember that. And we need to remember, bless your heart, if we're ever going to be like Jesus, we're going to have to allow God to knock some rough edges off. Any of you got any rough edges? Any of you ever criticize anybody that's trying to help you? Two taxidermists stopped in front of a window where an owl was on display. They immediately began to criticize the way the owl was mounted. His eyes were not natural, they said. Its wings were not in proportion to its head, they said. Its feathers were not neatly arranged, they said. Its feet could be improved. But just when they finished the conversation, the owl turned his head. (laughs) And blinked. It's easier to be critical than correct. Pepper Rogers, the coach of UCLA's football team, suffered a very poor season back in the 1970s. He came under intense criticism and pressure from the alumni and all the fans. And these things got so bad that he felt as if his friends were all gone. Have you ever felt like that? that everybody's gone. Nobody loves me. He said, my dog is the only friend I've got in the world. And I told my wife that every man needs at least two good friends. So she went and bought me another dog. <laughs> Criticism. Critical. Critical of a mate. Critical of kids. Critical of the news broadcast. Critical of the president. Critical of the vice president. Critical of the preacher. Can you imagine? Some people were even critical of the Christ. A family came to church. On the way home. 
The father said that was the sorriest sermon I ever heard. The wife joined in and said, you know, the choir was out of tune. It was terrible. Seven-year-old kid said, well, it wasn't a bad show for a dollar, was it? Could have get an amen. Critical. Folks were critical of our Lord. The historical background I'd like to show you. The situation is, you'll find in the book of Matthew chapter number 12, and I'll just read it for you. And here it is, Matthew chapter number 12. And we find in Matthew chapter number 12, there is a situation going on and there is a man that is demon possessed and the context is the same as in Mark chapter number 3. And in chapter 12 of the book of Matthew, the Bible says this, then was brought unto him, the same context, same time frame, different Author, different apostle, writing about the same thing. And there was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. And so the context is that he has. Heal this man. The man now can speak. The man now can see. The man now can hear. And everybody is being critical of him. And there is an overwhelming crowd gathered and following him because of his miracles. And Jesus attracted all kinds of folks. If you notice, he attracted the rich and the famous. He attracted the poor and the infamous. He attracted the religious and the non-religious. And they gathered to witness him preaching and the power. Can you imagine what kind of crowds and throngs must have followed him as he began to heal folks of all these diseases? Notice, if you would please, when the friends came, they misjudged him. Notice in verse number 20 and 21, his friends misjudged him. Have you ever had a friend that misjudged you? I hate for somebody to come up to me and tell me, I know why you did that. When they have no earthly idea why I did that. I know what you're thinking. Can you imagine? I don't even know what I'm thinking. And somebody walks up to me and misjudges me. Well, I know why Wolfenbarger pastors that church. It's because of all the money he makes. Hey, will you hear when they want any money? Now, who paid bills before you got here? Who hauled firewood? Who put love offerings for revival meetings before you got here? I know, I don't know. You don't know one thing. Just like these folk didn't know. They said about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of glory, the creator of all the universe, the man, the man, the God man who put all of this together, the God man who 
designed your heart and designed your internals and designed the eyes that can see for thousands of miles and designed the ears that can hear just a slight. He is the one. Thank you. He's crazy. Notice verse 20 and 21 and the multitude coming together so that they could not so much as eat bread. Now that's the problem. The hungry, stinking disciples, their belly was doing the talking. Preacher, you know what time it is. Do you know that the Methodists are going to beat us down to the cafeteria? Do you realize the cowboys kick off in a little while? Now, I know nobody here would be critical of what time it is. But these folks, his friends, were critical because they misjudged him. Look at verse 21. The Bible said... And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him. For they said, this is verse 21 of Mark 3. And they said, he is beside himself. He is crazy. Can you imagine? How would you like to walk up to Jesus, Jim, and say, you're crazy. It would take a crazy man to go to a cross and voluntarily lay down and let him drive spikes in his hands and spikes in his feet and hang there for six long hours. You are crazy. You are a fanatic. You are out of touch with reality. You need to be rehabilitated. You are crazy. That's what they said. That's what his friends said. Have you ever been so involved in something, somebody said, you're crazy? Has any of your family ever said, you are a fanatic for going to church three times a week? You tithe? Jim, you actually take 10% of that multi-thousand dollar salary a week that I give you, and you take 10% of that and give it to the church for the preacher to buy dog food with? Why is it that we can be fanatics about sports Fanatics about our hobbies. And nobody ever calls you a fanatic. The only time you are a fanatic is when you are a Jesus fan. And they said about Jesus, 
He is fanatical about this. His friends said he is going too far. His friends said we need to rescue him. His friends said he's in danger. The multitudes are so around him and pushing and pressing. He don't have time to eat. Physically, he's in danger. The Romans are watching. And if there's any insurrection at all, the Roman government will step in immediately and snuff it and probably destroy all of those involved. The Pharisees are planning. The scribes are are planning. And the Herodians are planning. I'm telling you, he's in danger. He's crazy. He's also, we we need to go get him and rescue him. Anybody ever felt like they need to rescue you from being such a Jesus freak? Any of your family ever thought you was weird? Lost it? Checked your brains at the door and forgot what door it was you checked them? That's what they said about Jesus. He is crazy. Criticized by his own friends because they misjudged him. Sometimes when people misunderstand, do you ever feel like just throwing in the towel? Come on now. If the folk down at work don't think you're weird, you probably need to get saved. For all that will live godly shall suffer persecution. And if you blend in down at the world, you might ought to check up. His friends misjudged him. His foes misrepresented him. Notice this. Have you ever been misrepresented? Have you ever had a friend or an enemy that just told a stinking lie on you? If you haven't, why don't you become my friend for a while? And that will just throw you right in the line of being misrepresented. Verse 22, watch this. Thrones are following. Everywhere he goes, he's done good. He's healed the sick. He's saved the lost. He's cared for the uncaring. He has just gone everywhere from Nazareth, Capernaum, all of Galilee, And now the rich, the famous, the poor, the down and out have heard that he's in town. And throngs, great throngs now are following. He's teaching a doctrine and teaching a principle and teaching absolutely opposite of what the religious crowd are teaching. So the religious crowd has either got to believe him and join in with him or they must stop him 
and ridicule him and misrepresent him. They do that with our church. Now they say because we believe that when you get saved, you're different. They say that we're legalist because we still wear ties. The only reason I wear ties is I don't have a shirt that does not have gravy down the front. And the tie covers the gravy. And the only reason I wear a jacket is because I get a good deal on these shirts down at the mortuary. They don't have a back in them. So there is a divine reason for us dressing up. And they say to us, they are stiff and old-fashioned, but they misrepresent us. They say, we don't care. But we're the ones that spend literally thousands of dollars a year on buses and fuel to go get those who cannot come themselves. Well, they say we don't care because we wear suits and preach the Bible and believe the word of God and try to live right, try to act right. But we give over $100,000 to benevolence every year to help pay people's uh, rent and, and, uh, and, and so forth. So We don't care what they do is they misrepresent us because they don't like what we do. And so the religious crowd now is going to misrepresent Jesus as he criticized him. And watch what happens in verse 22. The Bible said, And the scribes, which came down from Jerusalem, said, He hath, be- he hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casteth out devils. A blatant rejection of Jesus Christ, of his deity, and just absolutely cold and caustic and critical, says, I know how he's doing that. He's doing it by the power of Beelzebub, the God of flies, the God of dung, the God of all filthiness. I know how he's doing it. He's doing it by God, and he's full of the devil. See, they even criticized Jesus. Notice the accusations. I know that he's doing that by the power of Beelzebub, the power of Satan. Can I ask you, have you ever been misrepresented? Have you ever been misrepresented? Has anybody ever said something about you that was not true? Uh, Have you ever done anything that you thought was good and somebody turned it around and made it look bad? Has that ever happened to you? Well, one good thing about having Jesus Christ as your Savior, He knows how you feel. We have a high priest, His name is Jesus, who has been tempted in all fashions such as we. And yet without sin. And I can go to my Lord and I can say, Jesus, today somebody accused me and I did not do that. And he will say, I know how you feel. 
uh, they, they accused me of being full of the devil one time. <laughs> and all I was doing was doing good and caring about people and loving people. And, and they accused me of being full of the devil. Thank God he knows how we feel. But notice he didn't lay down and take it. Notice, if you would please, there is a blatant rejection. You are full of the devil, they said. And Jesus gave them a blistering rebuttal. Verse 23, he says, And he called them unto him. Now notice this. When Jesus dealt with these guys, he didn't do it publicly. Because he respected the audience. He called these accusers to himself in a private place. He called them unto himself and said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? They said, You're full of the devil and you're and by the devil you're casting out devils. Jesus said, now listen to what you're saying. He said, I, did you invent dumb? Uh, you political leaders that's running Jerusalem. Uh, you scribes who are in the know. Uh, you scribes who with pen and hand copy the entire Bible because they didn't have a printing press. You scribes who have printed the Bible yourself. You know what the Bible says. You know the law of Moses. And you're accusing me of casting out devils. I want to ask you something. You educated folks. The ones who's teaching others. How can Satan cast out Satan? It's a good question, isn't it? Notice now he uses three illustrations to show them up. And the illustration, first of all, he used a secular, secular illustration. And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. That's why I'm worried about America. You don't have to worry about Democrats and Republicans. There's another foe you better worry about in America. And it's dividing this country. Jesus said a country, a kingdom that's divided against itself cannot stand. I was reading an article this week called... uh, What they call the internet? You better watch the infiltration of the internet, of your investments. Do you realize that the largest investment firms in America are now directing money into Muslim accounts? Almost $2 billion 
invested in the stock market in America in jihadist investments. You're drawing interest off of money being spent to kill our soldiers if you're not careful. Then he uses the illustration, not a secular illustration, he uses a social illustration. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Third, he uses a spirit illustration. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. And then he says, now listen, I want to show you guys something. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man. And then he will spoil his house. Well, I think Jesus has been casting out devils. He's been healing the sick. He's been setting at liberty those that the strong man had enslaved. Jesus is saying, you're looking at the guy who bound the strong man, Satan. And I have gone into his house, this old world, and I'm setting at liberty all of those that would like to be set free. As the commercial would say, hoss. He's the boss. I know you don't watch Bull of the Wood commercials. Can anybody say amen? The strong man, Jesus, has come into the strong man's house, the world, and Satan is the God of this world, and he is running this thing according to how he wants to do it, and he's got folks all bound up, he's got folks captivated, he's got folks incarcerated, and the only way you can be set free is Jesus Christ, our Lord. He said, I'm not casting out devils by devils. I've got the devil by the nap of the neck. I've got him all tied up. I can do anything with him I want. Good news. If you'd let him, he'd set you free. Well, I'm trying. Well, you know what? Won't you quit trying and let him do it? Why don't you just put a sign on your forehead? I'm no longer live here. This is where Jesus lives. Just, I mean, just hang it on your chest. Just, just walk around with a sign on your chest. I'm not mine. This is his. And I'm not going to put anything in it that he don't want put in it. And you say, well, preacher, I don't know how to quit. Here's how. Dear God, the next time I take a drink, just kill me. Dear God, before I swallow it, just let it choke me to death. Or the next time I want to watch pornography on a, on a, on a screen, the minute I hit the power button, I pray that the, that the laptop will blow up in my face. No, you don't want to quit. Because he has come 
to bind the strong man in your house. And when he binds him, he's in control. That will change us. It changed me. It didn't change Jim, but he's working on it. (laughs) Brother Pickett is working on it. But if any man be in Christ, what is he? I said, if any man be in Christ, what is he? All things are what? Behold, all things are what? Boy, I like that, don't you? And they accuse Jesus of working for the devil when all along. Now, now I want to close with this. Notice now his family shows up. First, his friends. His friends. His friends misjudged him. Do you say that? They said he's crazy. His foes misrepresented him. His family misunderstood him. Now, my family, they, they, when I got saved, they didn't understand me. They, they didn't understand why an ex-drunk, an ex-hellraiser, I mean, you, you just name it, you just name it, why all of a sudden that crazy sucker wants to go to church three times a week. I mean, I mean he's crazy. Now, they wouldn't say that because I was signing their checks. Huh? He's crazy. My family misunderstood. Notice, if you would, please. Jesus said, I want you to notice now, verse 31, I'm done. Yes, sir. What time? Yeah, I'm done. I should have been done. Here it is. And then came his brethren and his mother. His brethren are his half brothers and sisters, who is Mary's children and Joseph's children. And Jesus is Mary's child, but God is his father. Those boys have never understood Jesus from the day he was born. Something unusual about him. Now they've come and they come to rescue him because they know the Roman government will be after him. The Herodians, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all of that bunch, you see, is trying to malign him and get him killed. They're trying to destroy him, mama and the boys. And they came, his brother and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude said about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother... And thy brethren without seek for thee. And he answered them saying, Who is my mother and who is my brethren? And he looked around about on them, which said about him, and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. Who is my mother or my brethren? Genuinely concerned for him. A simple request. Jesus, for your own good, if you come outside, we'll whisk you away. We'll make sure the Romans are not watching. We'll make sure that all the other crowds have no... Hold on you. Jesus, you need to get out of there. 
that you need the rest, you, you, need, you need to leave. They misunderstood. Notice his radical response. He said, they said, hey, your mom and brethren are outside. He said, who is my? Who really is my family? You know what Jesus is saying? He said, this is not about blood. Blood is not thicker than love. He said, really, who is my family? Is it Mary and those half brothers and sisters? Or is it these folks that has been born again into the kingdom of God? Who is my family, Jesus said. How do you get into God's family? Jesus looked around at that huge crowd and said, you're my family. You're the ones I died for. It was your sin that I took to the cross. And to as many as receive him, to them gave you the power to become what? Sons of God. Have you received him? Even the family misunderstood. Let me ask them. Have you misunderstood? Why Jesus came? Why are you here today? Is there some spiritual significance about you being here today? You know, there's ball games. You could have watched ball game today. Is there some reason you've gathered with us today to hear about this man called Jesus who suffered the criticism and said to the ones who's criticized him, you're my family. You're the ones I love. You're the ones I'll provide for. You're the ones I'll listen to when nobody else is around. Didn't he say to as many as receive him to become the sons of God? You know, same story in the book of Luke. And as Jesus sat there that day, he was sitting in the synagogue because they sat down when they talked. And he says to them, My brother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. And do it. You can't go to heaven just thinking about it. You you can't get right with God just talking about it. Have you ever thought about doing it? My family are those which hear the word of God and do it. If you're not a Christian today, you can be. 
But you got to do it. Preacher, I've been planning on joining this church for I don't know how long. Well, why don't you just do it? Say, Preacher, I've been going to tell my wife what a sorry devil I am. Or my wife, or she's been planning to tell me what a sorry devil she is. Won't you just do it? Just do it. 